Hi, I'm Stephen. And hi, I'm Charlotte. And welcome to Mirth and Magic, the RPG podcast. Welcome back, guys. Hi, and welcome to episode three. How are you, Charlotte? I'm not doing too bad, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Have you got any RTG news? What have you been up to recently? So I've been playing Megami Tensai for the last week or so, which was the game that you suggested I play. And Shin, I am... Shin Megami Tensai 3 Nocturne, right? Yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And I am enjoying it, mostly. I enjoy mm-hmm. aspects of it. <laughs> I think we will have things to discuss later when we officially talk about it, because I think you might like it a bit more than me. And right. I'm currently having to take a break from it to play Tales of Arise, because A, I needed a bit of a break from it, and B, I've been desperate to play it for about four weeks. I don't think you're going to finish it. I think you're going to just stick with Tales and be so happy with it, you're never going to go back to some tea. Out of spite, I'm going to finish it just to beat the <laughs> How's Tales? It's really good, actually. I, I was aware it was getting loads of really great press since it came out, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite as good as it is. It reminds me very much of some of the old Star Ocean games. I don't know if you ever played them or not. I haven't, no. The old Star Ocean games I really like, and this really reminds me of it in the kind of art style and the character interaction. And it's just fun and very JRPG-ish. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just a bit of a nice change from a lot of the other modern games that have been coming out recently. Is it like anime style or? Sort of. Cutscenes especially are in very anime style. But right. the actual game itself, it's hard to explain. They're very kind of like thick lines around everyone's character drawings. And it's very stylistic and very colourful and bright. It's hmm. very enjoyable. Oh, cool. Have you played any of the Tales games before? I, I never have. No. The only thing I really know about it is I did watch a playthrough of Tales of the Abyss it must have been a few years ago because I wanted to play it, but I didn't have a PS2 at the time and I couldn't right. bother to buy one. So I just watched a playthrough and I did like the look of that game quite a lot. But from what I've heard, the Tales games over the last few years haven't been as popular. I and mean, then this one's kind of sprung them back into recognition again. Yeah, no doubt we'll play it for the podcast at some point, I'm sure, in the future. Yes, I will make you. <laughs> what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing SMT3 as well. I, I like it a lot. It does have problems, like I said in the last episode, that I think that it's a bit of a lonely game, but actually I'm finding it less lonely than I did when I first played it. And I'm also not finding it as difficult as I did back in the day. Maybe it's because I'm more used to RPGs now than I was 20 years ago, but I, I am enjoying it. I think it's got a very loose story, though. <laughs> the story yeah. isn't very in-depth, so like... There's a lot of fancy words thrown around, but when you get to the core of it, it's a pretty simple story. But getting way ahead of myself, we'll save all this for the SMT episode, <laughs> which I'm sure you'll have lots to say. I have so much to during. say about the loneliness of the game. <laughs> so much to say. <laughs> oh, you have to at least progress a little bit further just to get close to the end so we can talk about it. I absolutely will finish it. I didn't tease a bit of a break. Just because I was off with a cold all of last week, so I was playing it for hours a day, and it was just getting a little bit bleak after a solid mm-hmm. week of just playing that. But no one to talk to, no party members. Exactly. I was like, I just need a <laughs> Zell character to pop up and oh, cheer me up. 
And apart from that, I've been playing Planet Zoo, which is not an RPG shock horror, but it's my second favorite genre of game is uh, like a management strategy kind of game. I love them. So the latest one is uh, Planet Zoo, and that's fantastic. But I won't go too much into that. This is not the time, nor the place. (laughs) For zoo games. (laughs) Yes, for zoo games. Cute animals and managing disease and contraception. It's great. What an arrangement of sentences that was. (laughs) Oh, God. Let's get started (laughs) with the podcast this week. (laughs) Yes, moving on. Okay, so this week we are talking about Persona 5 and probably more Persona 5 Royals, since that's the game we've both played together. So, Charlotte, what is your history with Persona 5 Royal? So, I don't know how it happened, but I kind of missed Persona 5 coming out, and I, I don't really know how or why. But the first thing I heard about it was when you started fanatically telling me about three times a day that I should play it. And it sounded really good. And I do genuinely trust your opinion on games. So Until how, SMT3. <laughs> until now, now I've got huge doubts about your gaming opinions. But I remember I got it, I think it was around a week before I caught COVID. So I spent a solid three weeks playing this game most hours of the day. And I was completely engrossed in it and absolutely loved it. I remember Mm -hmm. finishing it, having played about 120 hours on my first playthrough, instantly replaying it and racking up like another 100 on the next one and still feeling like I could happily go back and play it all through again and still see all different things. Yeah, I just love this game. Yeah, me too. So I I played the first game, well, the first iteration of the game, Persona 5, without the Royal, in 20, I want to say 2018. I got to, spoiler alert, Futaba's Palace and I went on a holiday. Uh, We went to Portugal and uh, when I came back, I just didn't pick it up. I don't know why. I was enjoying it. I just had other things to do. And then Persona 5 Royal came out in March 2020, you know, right as the pandemic was in full throttle. And um, I think by May or June, it was quite cheap on the PS Store. So I grabbed it. And I played the whole thing through. I got to about 125, 130 hours. I was playing it every day, pretty much. I I, I thought it was fantastic. It was a distraction from uh, COVID. It was fantastic. Yeah, I I love this game. I'm not going to be really open about that and uh, biased. I'm not going to say a single negative thing about this game. That's not true. <laughs> I'm playing so negative. Yes, there's not uh, a single bad feature <laughs> of this game. Podcast over. No. There's plenty of negatives in this game, but despite <laughs> those, it's still a, it's still a very, very good, solid JRPG, and I very much enjoy it. Yeah, and I do agree with what you mean about COVID, because I got Royal as well quite near the start, and when we weren't able to really see anyone or do anything, just watching all these people travelling around and having a great time just filled me with the saddest joy. It was very satisfying. Yeah, watching all these, like, teenagers running around Tokyo, these places you've never seen before. If you haven't been to Tokyo, maybe you have seen them, but I haven't seen before. And yeah, it's just, it's nostalgic in a way because, you know, I'm an old man now and I don't have teenage friends to run around town with anymore. Um, <laughs> but also it, it was like traveling in a really weird way. Like you got to see new locations and they're real world locations. Not like, it's not like a fantasy game. I mean, some of the locations are like fantasy eyes i guess you can call it like they've, they've been done up a little bit but um these are real life places and there are real life like uh, landmarks in them and it's just really nice to see yeah and i know we'll end up talking a bit more about the world because i know that we both really love the places that you visit and the general aesthetic of the places oh yeah it's so nice to just travel around and just see them and just interact with everything going on yeah so let's get into the story first so have you played any of the persona games no and I think a lot of it was what platforms that were available to play them on was a mm. large part of what held me back previously. Like 
what we've described before and I think the first podcast is that I'm very much a PlayStation girl and if especially when I was younger if things aren't out on PlayStation then then that's it for me really yeah I used to be the same um I got into PC gaming a little over two a little under two years ago I bought a new PC um well I made it I made a PC because I'm that good <laughs> and I started getting into PC gaming as well as PlayStation gaming and I'd never played Persona 4 before but they released Persona 4 Golden which is like the royal version of Persona 4 um, on Steam last summer and I waited till it was in the sale as is typically me and um, I grabbed it when it was cheap and I have played the first three or four hours of it but I find it very hard to play RPGs on a PC I don't know what it is. I am really lazy. I like I like to lie down on the sofa. <laughs> I like to lie down on the sofa and I like to have like a blanket and um, on, on a cold night and just like play an RPG on the TV because it's such a long experience, right? You're playing it for many, many hours. It puts me off that I have to sit in a computer chair. Even on my chair I'm sat in right now is very comfortable. I don't know. It's just a weird psychological thing, but mm. I'm really hoping they bring it out for uh, either the Switch or PlayStation. I think PlayStation is probably unlikely, but Switch, I think, is a possibility. Um, Possibly. I mean, ideally, I agree. I would like it to come out on PlayStation. I find games on consoles so much easier. Uh, yeah, but having not played a Persona game before, although I had played SMT before, which is related. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I had some idea. I knew the worlds between SMT and Persona were shared uh, somewhat. I didn't know the, the full link between them. But as soon as I started seeing the, the demons and the Personas, the demons that are in SMT are called Personas in this game, and the enemies that you fight, of course, before they come Personas. There's a lot of similarities. There's like the Jack Frost is in both of them. That's the, the series mascot, and there's also there's all sorts of uh, demons and personas that are the same in, in both in both series. But the story itself, I didn't really know what to expect. It's uh, it's a good story. I, I really enjoyed it. It primarily focuses on being a teenager and spending a, a year in in Tokyo with your friends solving crimes like Scooby Doo. Only these are serious crimes. <laughs> Yes, like very serious <laughs> crimes. <laughs> yes, these are serious crimes. And it becomes a lot more nuanced than that as time goes on. What did you think of the story? I really like the story. I mean, unlike you, I hadn't played SMT, so Persona was brand new for me. So I also wasn't sure what to expect. But I find the storyline in Persona is relatively straightforward. You know, like you say, the people, they're solving crimes, they're punishing the people who've done it and stopping them from doing it again. I think the fact that it's a nice straightforward storyline is good because there's so much bulking social stuff around it that a lot of the time you forget even what you're doing with the main storyline because you're happy just mm -hmm. spending time with friends and things, if that makes sense. But I really like the base story of you do one thing at a time, you know you've got one little mission, you know you've got a set amount of time to do it in, and it just progresses at a very good pace, I think. At no point did the storyline feel like it was really rushed or if it was progressing too slowly. Yeah, I agree. And as you mentioned, there are several side stories of the characters too, which you can, uh, you can optionally, although you should probably do them, pursue. And some of them are, are really good. Some are terrible, but uh, <laughs> most of them are really good. And we'll talk about that more when we get to the characters section. But there is a lot to do in this game. There really is. Yeah. And there's certain aspects of the story that I think it didn't probably really need that much. And especially with Royal, the, the last section of the game, to me, it felt like it was kind of tagged on the end and didn't quite fit, and I could have done without it. But for it the literally majority, was tagged on the end. <laughs> yeah, it literally was, and you could tell that it didn't really fit in with anything else that was going on. But most of the story is really good. Like the section 
that you do first with the the school teacher, the gym teacher, and all of that. I was really engrossed in what was happening, even without the great battle system and the great characters. I just found that whole story like just interesting, and fun to watch happen. Yeah, it really hits you with that heavy story right at the start, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's odd because in a lot of games, you'll start off, you know, with this sort of thing where it's solving mysteries and solving crimes. You start off with the lightest and the the nicest one in a way. Whereas mm-hmm. Persona 5 doesn't do that. It goes straight in with basically assault of teenage girls. And then mm-hmm. the next one after that is, oh, art plagiarism. It, it's a really odd way for it to progress, but it gets you hooked in very early on. I mean, art plagiarism and murder, I don't forget. <laughs> oh, yeah, because of his mum. I did forget yeah, about he, that, but yeah. I was just thinking about the painting. <laughs> but it is presented as art plagiarism for the most of the dungeon, isn't it? So, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the murder subplots just kind of added on the end. What else is there? Then there's the um, criminal one, the guy that's extorting teenagers, right? The, the yeah, he's like dungeon. a kind of mafia-type character, isn't he? Yeah. Yakuza, probably, and then there's the guy that's abusing uh, his employees at the burger place. Oh, Haku's dad. Yeah. Yeah, there is another reason. It's not just abuse employees. There's something else, isn't there? Is it fraud? I don't remember. Um, was it fraud or is it? It's definitely abuse of employees. I think that might be. I can't remember if it's fraud as well. I can only remember like <laughs> all the little robots being like tortured in his palace. I can't remember too much past that about exactly what happened with him. Yeah, representing the the workers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and who else is there? Of course, there's there's a big bad on his cruise ship at the end. Ah, uh, yes, the political chap who I can never remember the name of. Uh, Old man with glasses. Yeah, the antagonist for the whole story, and I also I also forgot his name. And then a oh, police officer is it uh, Sai Nijima? Oh yeah, the sister. Yeah. Yeah, she gets a casino one. I'm not sure if that's unique to Royal or not. I don't think it is. I'm not sure. I, I haven't played the original Persona 5, but I thought that that was in both. It could be. But there's also some nuance too, like Fataba has a palace and she's not an evil character. No, um, and I quite I quite like that nuance to that, that, you know, you don't have to be evil to have one. You just have to be have something that you need to move on from. Like even the police officer, she's not evil either, is she? She's just too set in her ways with her work. It's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not just bad people that get the palaces. I mean, most of them are, let's be honest. But those two especially, they're they're good people. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got mementos too and the sort of sub-bosses in mementos and you can do, uh, is it it like missions they're called or something where you capture like the minor criminal's heart that's not done something bad enough to warrant getting a palace but still need punishing? Yeah, because you go around the cities, don't you, and you find out about like kind of more minor crimes that people have been involved in and you can go and kill their, their people. Yeah, Mementos are one of those places where I, I did enjoy it, but it was far from my favourite bit of the game. It, it was very samey as you travel through. So themes in the game, crime and punishment obviously is a really big one. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. But also like it asks the question, what right do people have to punish others? Like what gives you the right to cast judgment on that person? I mean, of course, some of the uh, the criminals that you're dealing with are objectively evil, right? Yeah. But the, the public start turning against them somewhat, don't they, after a while? Yeah. And like, you know, when you're completing missions and stuff, you can see what the general public are meant to be posting on the website. And a lot of the messages are kind of like, who do they? these people think they are? Like, you know, these people yeah. are even yeah. more evil than, than such and such to, to kind of argue both sides. And it is true that these teenagers are risking potentially killing this person by doing this just because of like what they think is right. 
And for people like, you know, the teacher and the mafia boss, it's fair enough. But for people like, you know, the police officer, is that the right thing for them to be doing to taking that into their own hands? Like they're not the law. Mm -hmm. No, they're not. But they've decided that they're right and they want to sort this out. And whether they are or not is personal opinion. But what gives them the right to decide that? Because the person whose palace they're going to doesn't have a choice about it. Yeah. And it's like with the very first one with the teacher, when they're not 100% sure if stealing his heart will kill him or not, and they still come to the conclusion that they're going to do it and risk it. And obviously it turns out that he doesn't die, but they don't know that for definite when they go into it. Yeah, that's a bit of a grey area, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the characters. Let's do the party one by one. I have a list here, so I don't forget any of them. I'm terrible at that. So yeah, let's you hear your you thoughts. I'm going to kick up a fuss. <laughs> yeah, just skip over him completely. Um, <laughs> let's hear your thoughts on Joker. So I really like Joker, actually. I'm normally not a massive fan of the kind of classic silent protagonist type character, but mm-hmm. I think it works really, really well here. He doesn't really have, in fact, does he have any spoken lines in this game that he actually voices out loud? I can't remember. I think he has scenes, one or two. Yeah. I think. I think, yeah, I think in the very beginning bit, I think he goes, see ya. That's literally the only one I can remember <laughs> that he actually says out loud. There's so much interaction in kind of like written word that I still feel like you get to know him as a character, even though you pretty much make it for him. But I think his design is excellent. He just kind of looks quite dark and shadowy and cool and interesting. And You mean in his normal uh, day-to-day life or in his uh, Neverworld life? Oh, I very much meant Neverworld life. Yes, him in his school uniform, not, not <laughs> quite so much. But he just looks intriguing as a character. I think they've done his design really well. He hmm. borders on almost looking kind of like a BDSM bodyguard, but I still think he looks great. A BDSM bodyguard. Um, okay. I, I've, I've said it. I regret it, but I'm going to stick with it. No, I, I see what you mean. His design is is really cool. The the trench coat and the obviously the the mask he's wearing and the shaggy hair. It's uh, it's really cool, and I, I do I do like him too. He is like you said, what you make of him in a way because the the dialogue choices that you make kind of have an impact on how you perceive his character. But I think the the only reason that he's in Tokyo. Is this classic trope of like parents? Uh, well, in this case, it was he's been expelled from the country to live in Tokyo as punishment. And then during the entire game, not once do his parents contact him. I know. Or ask how he's doing. It is a bit of a trope. Like my parents are out of the country on business for a year, or I don't really see what harm it would do to have his parents in the game, but they're not. However, we do have a very good substitute, which we'll get onto later. What do you think of his? persona uh, Arsene I like Arsene I'm a bit sad because I don't know about you but I ended up fusing him very early on and losing him oh everyone um, does yeah yeah and I kind of wish there'd been more of a reason for him to stick around for longer or to bring him back earlier in the game because he's got a really cool design and other than that his one awakening one in the cutscene, you don't really see much more of him and I thought like that was a little bit of a, a waste mm-hmm. I felt like out of all of the different ones I felt like his was one of the better designs yeah, it's, it's based on uh, Arsène Lupin, who's... Have you seen that TV show, uh, Lupin, on Netflix? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Oh, it's really good. Um, he's, like a, he's like a French detective, this character, yeah. um, because I don't know if you realise or you know this, but all the main personas in this game are based on like literary characters. Oh, I did pick up on some of those, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, but obviously the first chance I got, I used him with something else, and made a fairy or something, I don't remember. But, uh. Yeah, it's something that looked terribly in comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish you couldn't fuse him, because you can't obviously fuse everyone else's personas. But Joke has that ability to um, to do that. But I kind of wish they'd make you keep Arsene and have him as a constant presence. Yeah, that's what I would have liked as well. Like, maybe he was the only one in that category. So you always had him and just got him yeah. stronger and he had more kind of cutscenes and actual involvement. Because at the very beginning of the game, you almost make out like he's going to be a big deal and then he is not. He's just gone. Yeah. So Morgana, I really like Morgana. Um, I know Morgana is kind of a controversial figure because of uh, his... Bedtime. <laughs> yeah. It, that. I mean, you've only played Royal. It was so much worse in, regu- in regular games. <laughs> You weren't allowed to leave your room or you need to leave LeBlanc, so you couldn't do anything. I do I, I like Morgana a lot and I don't really like the dynamic they gave him with Ryuji. I thought that was a bit odd. You know, the whole like oh well, they they hate each other basically, right? Yeah. But, um, it's, it's never really well established of exactly why it is they hate each other. It seems very forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why. It was never really elaborated on why. It's just, I think you just wind each other up. But I mean, I guess that happens in real life. But I, I just didn't like that dynamic very much. Although there is a scene close to the end where it looks like Morgana's dead and Rage is quite upset. Yeah, that's the thing. I think certain nice scenes came out of them not getting on with each other. But they didn't really mm-hmm. establish a good reason for them not to get on in the first place. They just kind of skipped that bit and yeah. went straight to them abusing each other. I really like how uh, Morgana is... Is constantly claiming that he's not a cat, but he very clearly is a cat and acts like <laughs> a cat. When he's in the real world, he sleeps with Joker in bed like a cat does, you know, like curled up next to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he wants to eat fish and all sorts of cat food. And uh, I think it's just part of the joke, but it, it does make me laugh that actually. Yeah, until he's a fucking bus, which <laughs> just comes oh, out. Oh, cat of bus. Nowhere. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's a cat another bus. trope. <laughs> I remember I was sitting there playing Persona 5. And at that moment when he turned into a bus, I was like, right, uh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm done. What, what is this? I need a break. And in Persona Royal, of course, he turns on into uh, Diego. Oh, when he turned into a human, you mean? Yeah, that doesn't happen in the original game. That's not. That's part of Maruki's um, world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hated that. I did not need to see Morgana as a human. It's just, no, <laughs> he is a cat slash bus and nothing else. What did you think of the kind of twist towards the end about Morgana that he was... Um... Created by Igor. I was always expecting there to be some kind of twist. And I must admit, I was expecting him to have actually like, originally been some kind of evil character. I thought that was going to be the twist with him. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I was a little bit disappointed because I, I was kind of excited for it to turn out that he was evil. And even once he found out he was evil, he decided to still stay with them because they were friends kind of thing. So when that didn't happen, I was a bit like, oh, okay, this twist isn't quite as big as I thought it was mm. going to be. So I didn't mind it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, I, I knew something was up. Like, he has his own persona, right? He has Zoro, which is really cool, by the way. I like the design of that one. And uh, it's clear that he's not a demon or an enemy of some way, but also he's not a human. He doesn't really know what he is, so I knew from that that something was up. He'd come from somewhere, and I, I suspected that he'd been sort of brought into the world by magic or something like that by somebody else, and I was right. Yeah, I did like um, him as a character, and I didn't play the original persona. Like you said, I only played Royal. And he is annoying in that with the whole telling you to go to bed thing, but it wasn't too bad. The game let you spend, I think, more time outside in Royal than the original Persona. 
So I didn't feel quite as limited by it. It did. And sometimes in the original game, it wouldn't even let you go outside of LeBlanc's. And uh, in this game, uh, sometimes it will let you outside into the, you know, the local area where LeBlanc's is, the neighborhood. Yeah. But you can't leave that area. But that's still a big improvement on not being able to leave the cafe. Oh, definitely. I can, I can yeah. picture that being absolutely infuriating. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it was so random too. Like sometimes you wouldn't, sometimes you wouldn't. It just like, whatever you're feeling, Magana. Like, how do you feel like, today? Can I go out today? And you just that like Joker, it's a cat. Overpower him. For God's <laughs> sake, just go outside, man. He's not a What's cat. What's he going to do? <laughs> you're right, he's a bus. <laughs> All right. So uh, I was going to skip this one, but. Uh... <laughs> Is it my favorite? What do you think of Ryuji Sakamoto? Ah, yes. The Zell of Persona 5. <laughs> I love him, even though you hate him. In fact, you hating him makes me love him even more. <laughs> I just think he's a really fun character. He's just, he's an idiot. And he, because he needs so much explaining to him, I'm aware he be- kind of becomes like the, like the trope of how the story is explained because people have to explain it to him. But he's just so happy. And I think his voice acted really well. And he's just a very straightforward character. He doesn't really have that much angst in him. He just wants to eat noodles and go for a run. <laughs> and I just really enjoyed him. I don't hate him. Uh, I'm joking with you. Uh, I use him a lot in the early game, but I replace him later on. But uh, I didn't really find him very engaging. Like I've never really liked the Zell character. I know that's your favorite archetype in a JRPG, I know. But um, <laughs> yeah, he, he's a nice guy and he, he's a complete idiot. I'm presented as so. Uh, but his heart's in the right place, mostly. Yeah, and I just kind of liked how his kind of arc, I felt, played out a lot more than a lot of the other characters. Like, he started off with this whole thing of he couldn't run anymore because his leg was damaged. And all of his side stories, him, you know, making friends of who he fell out with before and trying to get back into running and accepting he's probably never going to be the same as he was. And then nearly dying to save all the others by finally, like, running again and trying to mm-hmm. save them by that way. And I just felt like his story arc was a bit more fully formed than some of the other ones that kind of just got dropped. Mm-hmm. You liked his side story than the, the track team story? Uh, I mean, it was okay. It was one. Of, it was definitely one of the more simplistic ones. Mm-hmm. Well, well, actually saying that, a lot of them are relatively simplistic, actually. like I'd say like people like Arns and Makoto's, like, they're not exactly, you know, the most dramatic stories. Arn decides she wants to be a model. She already is a model. Makoto just wants to learn how to interact with other humans. It's none of them are, you know, the most dramatic, not, are they? It's not Dostoevsky, is it? But uh, it's uh, it's entertaining. Yeah, exactly. They're just cute and they're very personal stories, which I think is what you need. You don't need some dramatic saving the world subplot for every character, do you? And what do you think about Captain Kid? Uh, again, I think the design was okay. It, it's not one of my favourite ones. And like you, I used him at the start of the game a lot more than I did at the end. I felt like he was a lot weaker overall than some of the other ones later on. So Captain Kidd, saw him a lot at the beginning, didn't really see him for the second half of the game. Did you evolve him to William? I did, because I did Ryuji's thing all the way through, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually seen William. I don't think I've done Ryuji's story in full. He's one of the few that I haven't. Of course you haven't, you traitor. <laughs> all right, so let's on to my personal favourite, uh... As they say in the game, Aunt Takamaki, which is a really weird pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Anne, what do you think of Anne? I like Anne. I think me and you have discussed it before, but she's one of the few characters we have a bit of an issue with because of how the other characters treat her. Yeah. But if you take that aside, I think she's actually really good. She's quite a strong 
kind of female character in a lot of ways. She does kind of what she wants. She's aware that a lot of other people, especially kind of female NPCs, judge her and treat her badly, but she's still kind of strong and happy and plows on through anyway. I do wish she was less sexualized in the game because it just kind of brings down those points a little bit. Like when she kind of faints in battle and things and she's kind of like leant forwards, all kind of bent over on all fours, it's they wouldn't do that of any of the other characters. That's very much a her thing because they over-sexualize her so much. And I can't remember the name of her persona off the top of my head, but even that's very sexualized compared to all the other ones. Like she's got a kind of like men on leashes once you evolve it. It's all just, it doesn't really fit in with actually her personality, I don't think, because Anne's not about wanting to get with men or do anything sexual. She actively dislikes that. And I just found it a little bit odd that they decided to do that with her. Yeah, and even her outfit um, in Another World is like this red latex catsuit of a whip, and that's meant to represent her like wild side that she can't show in real life. But actually, when you get to know her, she's nothing like that at all. That's the thing. Like, if she was this kind of really sexual, kind of wild girl, and I'd be like, okay, fair enough. But she's not at all. No, she just wants to eat dessert. Yeah, she wants to eat dessert and <laughs> spend time with her friend and not be judged by people. It's yeah, yeah she's actually a really nice girl. Um, I didn't mind uh, her persona, Carmen. I actually quite like Carmen. I know what you mean by like having the, the men on chains and stuff. I wasn't really sure how to uh, interpret that. But I think the design is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, it did look cool. And again, in like Un's design in general, I really like with her kind of blonde hair and its pigtails and like the way that she wears a school uniform and things. I think her design is really good as well. Her design is great, yeah. yeah um, and really her side story wasn't, I mean... It was basically like, if I remember correctly, like she wants to find herself and herself involves being a model. Yeah, she kind of wants to, at one point she says she wants to be like a movie star. Then she says she wants to be a model. And then it, I think it ends with her helping Shio get over what's happening when she decides to move school. And yeah. her little subplot was, it was okay. It was personal to her, I guess, like like all of them are. It, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention this for Ryuji, but we'll come back to it and get to the next character. But I love some of Anne's joint attacks, like with Morgana, you know, with the guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Morgana, like, bring her some flowers and she pulls out some guns from the flowers and they dive into the air and shoot everybody? Like, it's so it's so bizarre. It is. It's <laughs> very dramatic and very JRPG, and I love it. Uh, and also, Morgana crushing really hard on Anne. Uh, is so inappropriate and he won't leave her alone a he's a cat and (laughs) (laughs) b she's not interested and he calls her lady Anne, which is really odd really weird and a bit creepy yeah Um, i don't know how it how it translates into japanese i don't know if if it translates more calling her in like a polite term or a respectful term and it's been kind of translated into lady I'm, I'm, i'm just guessing i'm really not sure but it does come across a little bit odd and skeevy but she's my favorite. I have a big problem with the way, like you said, the way she's sexualized. And there's, there's two examples I always remember really, really well. The first example is when it's an anime scene, it's a cut scene on the way to Futaba's palace. And they're in the they're in the cat bus. And um, mm-hmm. it's like, obviously, they're in the desert and it's roasting hot and they're sweating. And the camera just focuses on Anne's cleavage and just sh- shows like the boys gawping at her. And it was just, I, it didn't really sit with me very well. Yeah. Um, the second one was even creepier. It was when they made a hot pot uh, in Joker's room above LeBlanc's and uh, she fell asleep. And then they started looking up her skirt and it was presented as a joke. And I just thought that was so, so odd. 
so horrible and wasn't really at odds with the tone of the game. Yeah, especially know. after the you just kind of played through that whole subplot of the teenagers being abused by the gym teacher. And then they're like, right, let's continue on sexualizing the teenage girl. We'll just, yeah. we'll just crack on with that. It, it is very odd. And it's in such a good game that has such well-rounded characters. It's just not necessary. Mm-hmm, completely. I don't know what the other Persona games are like with their female characters. So I don't know if this is like a trend type thing or if this was very specific to her. I'm not sure. Mm, so little I played a Persona 4. Um, I didn't see much of that, but that doesn't mean it's not in there. I played four hours of it, so... (laughs) (laughs) So it's not quite an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so uh, Yusuke, take it away. Oh, he's he's one of my least favourite. I don't (laughs) find him particularly interesting. Even from the off, when you first meet him, he comes across as quite an unpleasant, abrasive character. And again, he's a bit creepy with Alan. He's another one. And even his character design with his kind of slick back hair and his his mannerisms. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I really don't find him a very appealing character. The only bit I did kind of like is his weird thing about how bad he is with money and really buys some lobsters. That's like one of the few <laughs> things I really liked when they go to the beach. And he's like, I bought these lobsters. And we're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> do you? But other than that, there was very little about his storyline or his character design or him in battle that really stood out to me. He was one of the ones where I, I used him in his his like main story bit in in his mentor's palace. And after that, I don't think I ever used him again. Yeah, I very rarely used him unless I needed, is it electric or ice that his persona has? One of them. Yeah, uh, Unless ice. I needed an attack, yeah. Yeah, and for that reason, I always made sure that Joker had at least one good ice persona, so I didn't <laughs> use him. I always thought it was weird that he had these money problems, but he is literally in a party with Joker, who's making millions every time he fights monsters, and <laughs> Haru, who's like literally a millionaire heiress, and he still has to get off the subway stop two stops early because he can't afford the full route, and his friend don't give him like the 100 yen to get there. I must admit, that just made it funnier to me, where he'd be like, oh, yeah, I had to walk so I could get the bus, and there's Haru like, hmm, shame, what a pity. Yeah, sipping tea. <laughs> With her gold purses, like, oh, yeah, must be sad to get the bus. <laughs> I uh, I don't like him much either. I rarely use him like you do. I have done his story, and uh, I thought that's actually pretty funny in part. So, like, there is a part of it where he makes Joker pose naked, like, in a church for a drawing. It's so bizarre. <laughs> uh, have you done that one? I have, yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> there's, there's some moments with him that are quite funny. It's a shame that just in between that, he's very bland. Yeah. Um, and I like the story with uh, Madarame, his mentor, not so much the art plagiarism stuff, but the thing with his mother, Sayuri. Yeah, that bit was nice. And I do like the whole thing. And then obviously the paintings then put up in the cafe and, you know, he can go and look at it and things. That bit was nice. Mm-hmm. And it stays there. It is, an, it is a nice painting. Yeah. The only bit I found odd about that story was occasionally later in the story, they'll talk about how the mentor did actually care for him and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but didn't he let his mum die? Like, don't yeah. try to now make him a sympathetic character. Just, <laughs> no, it's not going to work. Makoto Nijima, what are your thoughts on her? Uh, I have mixed feelings on Makoto, actually. When you first meet her, I think she's generally quite unpleasant. And I, I know they try to make her as a character who's just generally a little bit awkward and unfamiliar with other people. But I found her quite bossy and unlikable for the majority of the game. And everyone starts calling her queen and things when she's only just joined the party. 
And she's like, yes, that seems appropriate. <laughs> yeah, queen, come on. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> and I didn't even ask you to come along, go away. But I, I really like the design of her Neverworld outfit and of her persona in general. And she is one of the ones that I did, I think, keep in my final party to the end because she was one of my stronger party members. So I think by the end, I think she had a decent healing spell and a load of her attacks as well. And she was just generally one of the better ones. But she wasn't my favourite, especially of the female characters, where Arn and Futaba, to me, were much more likeable than her. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really invested in her story. Well, she's presented as an antagonist at first, right? She's spying on you for the principal, but she's been blackmailed for it, right? I think, I can't remember exactly how it is they're blackmailing. Is it about, like, not getting a good recommendation for school or yeah, something that's it. Yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I actually do like her. I think her design is really cool and her persona, is it Johanna? The, Johanna, the yeah. Motorcy- yeah, the motorcyclist. And she's got the, sorry, the motorcycle. And she's got the matching levers, right? She sits on her persona when she calls it. Yeah, um, that design really cool. was really good. Yeah, it is. I, I like her a lot, actually. Uh, I, she is quite cold, but if you go for her story, which I don't know if you did, she really warms up. Yeah, she did. I don't think it helps. She's very at odds with Arn and Fataba, who were very off the bat, quirky and cheerful. It takes a while to get to Makoto's one and... Even by the yeah. end, I still found her a little bit bossy and patronizing. She's definitely like the the like second leader of the group. Like if Joker was incapacitated in somewhere, she'd take over for sure. Yeah, I think my opinion of Makoto is ruined by one, I think, optional scene with her. And it just made me unreasonably hate her. There's one what time where scenes. like you spend time with her in her side mission and she's like, oh, do you want to go to the bookshop with me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the bookshop. You get there and she instantly meets someone else she knows and goes, yeah, I'm going to go buy books with them. It just leaves you outside. I'm like, you bitch, you asked me. <laughs> no. <laughs> and since then, I was like, no, I'm done with you, Makoto. I'm not coming anywhere with you ever again. Her backstory is good too with her sister. I, I like that a lot, the interaction and with her sister. that She's basically like her sister loves her, but has no time for her, essentially. They're both quite similar characters, aren't they? They're both very driven and have a kind of one set mind on what it is they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Futaba, uh, she's one of my favourites and she's not a character that you fight with, but she kind of takes over Morgana's role as the commentator in battle. Yeah. Um, and she does help out now and again, uh, She doesn't she? She like she might heal you or she might do a, a big attack on the enemies. Yeah, and I think when you progress her storyline, I think you should get, you get like extra boosts in battle and things, I think, from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, like I said earlier, she's got her own palace and it's uh, ancient Egypt themed. Um, and I really like that palace. Even though the music, I find it really annoying because <laughs> I, I hear it right now in my head. But um, her backstory is incredible and her development as a character is really good too. Like even when she gets over her initial fear of the party and starts hanging out with them more and going outside, she's still not 100%. And you have to, uh, you have to do a story to help her progress even further. Yeah, I, I think her from start to finish was one of the better arcs because you meet her and she's literally won't leave the house. She's so shy and has such severe PTSD from what's happened to her. And then you go into her palace, which has a, an amazing design. The Egyptian thing's really interesting to explore mm-hmm. around. And then you just watch her kind of get better and better through the main story in the cutscenes and through her personal side quest. And hers is definitely one of the more well-rounded and enjoyable to watch. Plus, she's just quite a fun quirky character so it's fun to watch people interact with her in general anyway yeah 100 i um i like the scene with her in akihabara where she goes to buy a video game on her own for the first time and she kind of like 
she goes with Joker and then she makes him wait while she goes to pay for it. And that was, yeah. a, I think that was the first time you see her like, do something independent. It's a really big moment for her and it's really sweet. It is nice. The only thing about Fatalba that bothers me is I wish dating her wasn't an option because I very much see her as like a little sister type character to Joker. And the idea of dating her makes me feel awkward. It was an odd choice. Um, yeah. It's just something I, I didn't, because I think I mentioned on one of the other podcasts that when the second time I played Persona, I decided I was going to try to date all the girls at once just to see what would happen if I could. And I was so uncomfortable watching their like dating scenes that I just had to stop. I couldn't carry it on. I was like, I'm so sorry, Sojiro. I just, I'm so sorry. I've never seen it. I've, I have no interest in looking at it. Like, I, I think it's really a bit creepy. Um, yeah. In fact, a lot of Joker's options are quite creepy. Oh, um, we will get onto those <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think uh, I read somewhere that Joker's canon girlfriend is Kazumi. Yeah, I, I would say it is as well. And I, I'm sure once we get on to it, we'll say more. But I think she's the only one, if I remember, who tells Joker she loves him before you're given the option to tell the girl first. I'm oh, really? sure. Yeah. So it's much more you choosing to accept or decline her confession rather than you confessing to them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I declined it. Did you read what happens if you like do date all the girls successfully? I did, yeah. I watched a video of it. Oh, you did? I feel like Joker, <laughs> Joker deserved worse than that, for sure. I haven't, I've never done, I can never do that in a game. I get the, if there's a choice to date someone, I pick one person. I never cheat on them. Yeah, and that's what I did the first game. And like I said, when I played it the second one, I felt so guilty that I just stopped playing that, that playthrough <laughs> and had to go back to just dating Arn the next time I played. Going back to Futaba. I did feel really bad for her, when, especially her, when um, the counsellors, is it Muruki? Yeah, when Muruki's world uh, becomes reality and she gets her parents back. Yeah, that was really sad. A lot of her stories sad. When her mum died, she ended up living with her abusive uncle and things and sleeping on the floor. Like loads of her little side stories. actually really sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Haru Okamura. Ah, uh, Yes. The most memorable and <laughs> well-liked character of the main Noir. party. <laughs> I find her nothingy, I'm afraid. I know you like her because she does gardening, but I have <laughs> such little interest in Haru. In fact, I keep thinking her name's Haku and I don't know why. Her so name I is not Haku, her it's name. Haru. It is. I just forget her name because I never use her. <laughs> um, I like her because I, I, I think that she's introduced really late in the story. Yeah. Um, like really late. Uh, she should be introduced like, at least two palaces earlier. In the original game, you don't even see her as much as you do in Royal. Like in Royal, she appears in Hawaii and you get some scenes with her in the school before you even know who she is. Um, that's not in the original game. She just sort yeah. of appears out of nowhere close to her final appearance when she appears yeah. with Morgana. Because I think by the time she appears, you're already well on the way to getting full storylines with a lot of the other characters. And almost to fully see her storyline, it means not being able to finish a lot of the ones you already started. And mm-hmm. I feel like the majority of people would rather finish the ones they've like done seven out of 10 for rather than start hers from scratch, mm-hmm. which personally I did. I much rather finish all the ones I had going on than start over with this girl who was barely even in it. It does feel a bit of a rush when you uh, when you get her and if you want to do her story, like you're like, oh shit, it's October. I have to, <laughs> to get on yeah, with her. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to really rush <laughs> hers and abandon loads of other things. In Royal, it's a bit easier because you get more time, obviously. And um, I do actually like her story. Did you finish the story? No, I barely got through hers. I don't think I've only got like two or three into hers. 
So in a nutshell, basically, she's got this fiance, uh, Sugimura, Sugimura, I think his name is. Um, mm. And he is really emotionally and financially abusive to her. Um, he doesn't love her at all. He just like wants the association of being married to um, an Okamura family member because it's got the money and the power. Yeah. And he sort of takes over because he sees himself as like the head of the household and her family business becomes his business and she's like no it's still my business and um she um she starts taking over her father's business the company wants to expand into like coffee shops but using this like really cheap uh labor and like cheap produce and just making like a fast food coffee shop basically and she wants a more friendly like intimate independent atmosphere like her uh her granddad's shop and she doesn't know how to sort of talk about this to the company and with joker's help she kind of stands up for herself and she breaks off her engagement with her fiance and gets the the, the company that she wants now i'm talking about it it's not as hard hitting as some of the others like a rich girl wants her company but um (laughs) (laughs) but it it is enjoyable i do like her character and i think she's cool and i like her abilities with the the side the psychic abilities are really great and her persona milady i like the design of that one a lot yeah Um, i like the design of that one as well and she's definitely invaluable in that battle against you know the boss battles with the robots at the end of her father's palace oh my god don't remind me ptsd memories flooding back i I remember messaging you going i don't think i can finish this game i I can't get past these i just can't but (laughs) we'll get onto that later when we talk about battle stuff but that is the hardest battle in the game and it's so artificially hard as well yeah it is it is and it's one battle where she is absolutely crucial during because a lot of them are weak against the psychic stuff but oh awful awful her design i like the outfit kind of and it's kind of like cowboyish themed in a way but she's got an axe yeah she looks almost like a kind of like musketeer type thing but yeah then with an axe it's yeah the axe doesn't make sense but i like it and i like the way she attacks it's it's very uh, unexpected for her character and of course Mm. the best thing about haru is her ability to grow tomatoes I knew it was going to be the gardening. I knew it. As soon as that character came along, I was like, this is Steve's character. Yeah, she grows them on the roof plants. and it's really nice. And you can get lots of tomatoes from her if you remember to come and get them. And oh, so nice. Such a nice girl. He's nice. But our main character spent a lot of time on that roof having debatable conversations. Was Harry just there in the background? Just growing yeah. her tomatoes awkwardly. Yeah. And claiming she can't hear them. Yeah, like, I don't know what you're talking about of stealing people's hearts and accidentally <laughs> murdering people. I don't know what you mean. All right, so uh, your favourite, Goro Akechi. Uh, yes, the most obvious bad guy to ever grace a game. <laughs> with, I think, the worst outfit of the game. His, oh, you know, the first, that, his, that like, white, white suit? and red one. Yeah, yeah with oof. that, like, long-nosed, like, plague doctor mask. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. so awful looking. And Robin Hood, his persona, where he doesn't go with that at all, just totally random persona tacked onto him. Oh, it's so bad. And he's got that <laughs> such like posh voice. And all of his like storyline when he follows him going, oh, I wish I wasn't so famous. Everyone didn't like me so much. Oh, oh God, I can't oh. stand it. <laughs> oh, he's just awful. I mean, constantly like accusing Joker of things. And the game acts like Akechi's being really subtle and sly. And it's like, he's not. He's just being a dick. And he's not even trying to hide it. Oh, he's, he's got a really, he's got a really punchable face as well. Oh, he does, and his <laughs> voice makes him even more punchable. Everything about his character, I do not like. 
Like I, I feel like the game wants you to feel sad for him when he dies. I didn't feel sad. There was no sadness in my heart. I was glad he was gone. Didn't he sacrifice himself? He did, didn't he? he? In She Does Palace. He did, but I did. I still didn't feel sad about it. Yeah, I found him really annoying. Um, I don't like him at all. His his whole um, his hair really bothers me. Is it just me? No, his uh, hair bothers me as well. <laughs> he's really smarmy. Uh, he's got that briefcase. Yeah. And it's easy to forget that he's this big celebrity, but he's still, and he's the detective, but he's still 16 years old or whatever, 17 years old. Yeah. Why is anyone taking him seriously? <laughs> exactly. And he's meant to have this like arc where he starts to feel bad and stuff, but he actively try, shoots Joker in the head. <laughs> he's like, oh. how can you feel bad for this guy? I forgot about that. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. He does come back later with a better outfit. It's still not a great one, but it's much better than the thing he wore before. Oh, like the blue and black, like lollipop yeah. outfit yeah. he's got. Yeah, it is a lot not, better. Not my favourite, but it's, I mean, it's not the worst by a long shot. Compared to that weird, like, white and red military outfit that he's got. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Let's move on. Kazumi Yoshizawa. She is a character added especially for Royal. She wasn't in the original game at all. And you meet her quite early on, don't you? You meet her like all the time in school before you get to know her properly. Yeah. And I think she's meant to be a year younger than the others, I think. I'm pretty sure she's in the year below them. Yeah, because she calls you senpai, right? Like older mentor. Yeah, I find it a bit creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I like her design. I like her. I think her hair's cool. And the whole gymnast thing is really cool. Um, mm. Did you do her story? I did, actually. And... I did like her subplot of like, you know, her sister dying and all of all of that. I, I actually thought that was really interesting. As a character, I didn't find her so interesting, though. And I think a large part of that is that she doesn't really interact with the characters other than Joker. So you don't really get that same sense of like group friendliness with her and you do it with the others. Yeah, and I, I, really... I think that's just because she's added on in Royals, so they can't really go back and rewrite all these like scenes with her in. But it mm. just makes her a bit less, it just, you just warm to her a bit less than you do with the other characters because of it. But her story arc I thought was really good. And I love her design with the kind of like the black and the silver. I think that looks great. Yeah, she's got a great design. Did you like the twist where she's actually turned out to be Samiri? I did actually, because I wasn't expecting it. And I knew there was something a bit off with her, but I didn't expect it to have been that her sister died and she took on her identity. I, I did think that was interesting. It's it, it, a bit of a shame for me that her story arc is linked in with the counsellors, though, because I didn't really enjoy his story arc. So I kind of wish hers was separate to his. But I did think it was interesting. I like the counsellor. Uh, let's move on to him. He's only the first Persona Royal, he's not in the original game. I like the dynamic that he brings to the first half of the game, um, where you can go see him for snacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found that bit okay. It was more his overriding story arc leading to the ending that I was just not really on board with but it, it's the story it's kind of his story is kind of related to the overall plot of the game because like um you know as we said earlier the the one of the things of the game is like crime and punishment and who gets to decide who is punished and he's kind of taken that on he's giving people he thinks he's doing good by giving people exactly what they want um yeah yeah it's kind of a similar thing and it turns out that that's not always a good thing to be handed when you see the world that he creates yeah, because one of the options to end the whole game is you can choose to go along with it, can't you? 
like one of the you options can. is that you accept the new reality. But I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine loads of people did. It does present some interesting like ethical problems with these characters that are like, especially for oh my god, for um for Tarba, who's now got her mother back and they're living with Sojiro and they're having a nice time and, and Morgana's a human. I mean, that's not quite the same, but um yeah. like to take that all away from them, it, it's kind of really awful. But also I think it's making a point that like you need these things in your life that cause you grief and pain to make you become a stronger person. Yeah, I agree. It, it is that thing of like what's right and what's wrong. And his does mm-hmm. play into that. It just gets a bit, uh, what's the phrase? It gets a bit kind of magic and over the top where your fight with him and all of that aspect. I wish they'd just made his a bit more down to earth, kind of like the others were of just mm-hmm. him wanting to do what was right for people and accidentally manipulating it in a way that was bad without it being quite so and then you fight him as a god type ending it just got mm-hmm. a bit over the top for me yeah I, do, I love his character design though like going back to like dating if you could date a boy in the game it would be him right uh, i think we both know it'd be ryuji but you know okay fair oh, enough. for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he wears sandals to work i'm sure he does why do you have to say that because he does wear sandals and they're terrible it's like the why first thing like, design i remember <laughs> I saw his face and his hair. I was like, oh, he's cute. And I looked at his feet and I saw his sandals and I got very upset. Listen, he has really good hair. He has a cute face and he gives you the choice of salty or sweet snacks. What more do you want, Charlotte? I want to not wear sandals, Steve. That's what I want. <laughs> um, we'll talk briefly about some of the other characters. So you can spend time with other characters not in the party during the game to help them progress their stories. And several of them are romanceable. Um, mm. My personal favourite is Sajiro. Obviously not romanceable, but he is the... <laughs> <laughs> he's the so, owner of oh uh, if that was an option <laughs> he's the owner of the bounce cafe and i love him he's such a nice guy you have to melt his heart a little bit not literally in the game like it's stealing hearts mm-hmm. but you have to sort of help him soften up and he becomes such a nice person yeah um, his arc with joker is really nice and by the end of it where he's protecting him and giving him advice and treating him like the family and you can spend the christmas together with him it is lovely yeah Looking it back, is. he's probably a bit overly nasty at the start of the game because he's a, he essentially bullies and harasses this traumatized boy who he's agreed to come and stay with him he's probably a bit too mean but by the end he's just adorable what about igor do, what do you think uh, igor and the prison and the the prison guard of justine and caroline they were okay i feel like if you'd played previous persona games all of that would have meant a bit more to you but i didn't realize until a bit later that he's in other persona games so i just oh, yeah. this random character but i thought he was okay and i thought they were okay as well but the two girls yeah, i didn't mention that earlier that is a good link to persona so he's always in the game and in persona 4 he's in the limo <laughs> not in a uh, prison <laughs> you get in a limo where you do all your uh talking to him i love how these yeah, and... things out of context just sound the most random things like yeah you get in a limo with this random man <laughs> he's always got an... <laughs> he's always got like a new location every persona game there's always somewhere new that he's in I think limo is pretty iconic. From I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing it being a much creepier interaction in the limo. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of the limo. It's pretty cool. Yes, please. And he also has um, Justine and Caroline aren't in the other games, but he always has assistants. Yeah, some of them are better than others. Actually, cut that out. I don't know what I'm talking about. I know plenty of games. So <laughs> let's compare <laughs> these people that we played. <laughs> I was going to say that, like, moving on to the other people you can date, some are much more questionable 
than others. Do you mean your teacher? I definitely but, mean our teacher. And the doctor who is like 35, my age. And, ex- and experiments on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she calls <laughs> it a clinical trial, but it's not a clinical trial. It's just her sticking some substances in you. And me and you, Steve, we both know about doctors' clinical trials from different perspectives. And I think we can agree that that's not how they work. <laughs> no, usually there's, you know, a bigger patient cohort than one for a start. <laughs> Who's a teenage boy that you drug unconscious <laughs> in your out of hours. <laughs> um, and I don't quite get her story. Like she had this big scandal at the hospital and she got her license revoked. So instead she opened up a GP surgery. How, how did that happen? Yeah. Her storyline is very odd where she thought she killed a girl. It's not really explained how, and then it turns out she didn't kill her, but she's still operating this medical practice, even though she's not allowed to practice medicine. And then she gives Joe all these drugs and apparently that's helping her cure diseases, but I don't see how it is. It's all very <laughs> odd. Uh, I actually like her design, though, that, that cool, like, goth design she's got. I like it. She does, yeah. And it also plays that thing of, like, how old is this female doctor who ends up potentially dating? She's literally, like, 35. 17-year-old boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, your teacher's not relying. I'm not sure which is creepier. I think probably the teacher. I think that one, I think the doctor one is probably scarier because, you know, you're going up with one who's injecting you with things every single day. Yeah. But the teacher one is wildly inappropriate. <laughs> Oh, it's it's so out there in terms of bizarre inappropriateness of the fact she's your teacher, how old she is, the fact she could be your maid. Like all of it is so odd. Although that comes very handy when you want to cl- you wash your clothes without wasting time in the evenings. Yeah, and then she can come out and massage <laughs> you after. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it, like even if you don't date her, it's still really like creepy. Like. She's literally around your house in a in a French maid costume, calling you master. Yeah, giving you a massage. Yeah. To a 17-year-old boy. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I like how when you when it gives you the option to date her, at first she goes, No, I'm your teacher and it's inappropriate. And I was like, Well done, Persona 5. You finally stepped up and acknowledged this is wrong. And then the next scene, it's like, no, nah, I changed my mind. Let's do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> The other one that I don't like is the reporter. Now, not because she's inappropriate. I mean, she kind of is because she's older, but she's awful. (laughs) She really is. is. She's so (laughs) unlikable. (laughs) I don't even know her name. Is it? Oh, it's, uh, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, something like that. I can't even remember. She was one of the ones that I never wanted to pursue of this random alcoholic woman who just writes articles about you and is just abrasive and unpleasant the whole time you talk to her yeah no no attraction did you you actually date her for your like all girlfriends game she's one of the ones i reluctantly did try to date in order to date all of them and i got fed up after about four things with her because i just literally didn't want to speak to her anymore (laughs) so World discussion. We mentioned earlier that, um, it. I mean, I said earlier that I think that this game is fantastic for location and the world. The fact that you feel like you're in Tokyo, you can travel around, you see these landmarks. I think it really captures a feel of Tokyo as someone who's never been there. That's what I imagine it's like. Yeah, I agree. It's like a slightly more colourful, over-the-top version isn't it of of japan 
mm-hmm. and all all the areas feel very lived in. And even though the, the each area is actually very small, like there's not that many like places and shops you can go to in each one, they feel very vibrant and alive. They really Definitely. it's really nice just to go and wander around them, especially when you can take different characters to them on on dates and events and things. Oh yeah, like the jazz bar in the park and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it just feels like a place that your characters actually live in, like an actual world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Le Blanc Cafe. I think it's such a nice location. Like it always made me feel like, oh, the day, you know, the day's over when you go back in there or the day's starting when you wake up in there and it's such a, a good home base to have. Yeah, even um, though you live in an attic full of boxes, it still yeah, feels you very decorate home-based. with random toys. <laughs> yeah, you could just like put completely random shit up on the walls. It's yeah. like a chocolate fountain you can get. Did you get that? <laughs> like, I think I did and then refused to put it up. Yeah. Constantly go bubbling chocolate for like months and months in the corner of your room is gross i just um, have my little plant in the corner that i would water every day just oh, to keep nutrients. them alive and peppy yeah you get kindness for that don't you, you get kindness stat you do i just felt it was nice that finally i found a plant i can keep alive it's the mm-hmm. one in this game <laughs> this is a theme for you isn't it it is yeah um let's quick talk about the battle system i love the design of the battle system and the menus and everything the, the way that it looks is so like punky to me it's a turn-based RPG, and you can swap out, and you can have the um, you can have the different personas for each character who um, who have different abilities, and you can sort of tag team people too. You can tag party members, right? Um, yeah. Form like a, a chain. Oh, I love it! I think it's such a good system, and it's a welcome return to turn RPGs. It is. It's a great battle system. It, it's like modern turn-based, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you have all your basic menus of attacks, special moves. But then you have like the baton passes and you've got each character's special moves. And it's each battle, even though they can be quite samey, they're just really, really fun. And the fact that you can, you know, change out characters and all their different persona moves and that Joker can swap his personas. There's a lot of variety in that battle system, even though it's technically turn based. Yeah. And even even small things like the menu designs in battle, it's just really appealing to look at. Oh, so good! Such I think mean, it's the best design game. The best design game I've I've played in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll have a bit of a chat about like the actual design of the game when we get to it, of like you know, the art style and things. But it just makes things like endlessly battling constant monsters and mementos. The battle itself is so fun and it looks so good that I never get sick of it. Me neither. Even the ending where the Joker is running into nowhere. You know when yeah. think about the battle ends and he just keeps on running. Yeah, that's it. All of it just looks fantastic. I like it when like you car- you finish the battle and you see the characters that fought in that battle, like stretching and recovering. I, I like that little detail. Yeah, me too. I, I just think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The only bit of the battle system that I didn't like, and I don't even know if it really counts as the battle system, but in Mementos at the end where, at least in Royal, um, you if you charge at an enemy in Mementos, you don't fight the battle. You just automatically get the experience if you're a stronger level than them. Mm-hmm. And it meant it was so easy to become really overleveled that it just broke the game for me a little bit. Cause I was at one point I was a higher level than all the enemies. And I, so I was just plowing into all of them, getting experience. I was just never having to fight anything. I didn't have to fight anything for hours. All I did was just drive into them and get mm-hmm. stronger and stronger. And that, that was a bit of a shame for me because it, it voided the need to fight. Yeah, I, I never had that problem. Like I, you must have been really high level because um, I found the final boss a bit of a struggle. I had to do it twice before I did it properly. I had to go re-level for a little bit and get another three or four levels. But um, hmm. yeah, you must have been 
plowing through mementos at all hours to get to be over leveled I d- that's the thing I didn't feel like I spent a lot of that game grinding but I guess I must have at least a bit because like I say like the second half of mementos I wasn't really having to fight anything I was always a stronger level than them so just got the experience automatically I was playing a hard mode I just remembered maybe that's the reason oh, that might be why yeah that make more sense I, I'm fairly sure I was just playing on regular I started doing hard mode these days, apart from SMT, which I tried for two minutes and got a game over instantly and went back to normal. <laughs> um, I like playing hard mode. That gives me a, a challenge. And you don't tend to do that, do you? It's very rare I do. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the games I play, hard mode often isn't an option in a lot right. of them. So it doesn't really come up that often. But very occasionally I do. But often I'm more invested in the storyline of a game than I am the challenge of it. It's only... I say the only real games where I feel like that's a part of it are things like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, where it feels like the challenge is one of the main game aspects. With I would never play either RPGs, of those games on hard. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean Blood, <laughs> Bloodborne, yeah, but Dark Souls, no. I would not play Bloodborne. And you love Bloodborne hard. You must be a pro gamer. I love Bloodborne. I mean, level ninety nine gamer. Oh, I absolutely love that game. I mean, I know we're going to be doing <laughs> it soon, but oh, I'm excited for that. Let's get the conversation back to Persona 5. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, graphics and music. Uh, graphics, we touched on briefly. Uh, well, the design of the game is fantastic, as we said. Um, I love the way the characters are drawn. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's anime-ish. The, the backgrounds are beautiful. The world is gorgeous. And the music is fantastic. Apart from Fataba's Palace, it really grinds me, grinds my gears. But you know that song that's like always playing LeBlanc, like do 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 do. Oh, I mean, excellent impression of it there, Steve. (laughs) I love that song. Uh, I actually have. (laughs) There's like YouTube videos where you put like relaxing music on, and there's like ten hours of that song with like uh, LeBlanc photo in the background. Yeah, it Um, is so good, (laughs) and it's good because you spend a lot of time there. So it is lucky to be fair. Yeah, it never gets old either. You think you no. hear it all the goddamn time. Yeah. Over saying that, I think I mentioned it in when we did our top 10 list, but when I played it for those two weeks of COVID and my boyfriend was stuck in the house with me, he was sick of the Persona 5 music. <laughs> he was desperate for me to just have it on mute. And I refused. I had it on all the time. I'm sure was, my husband I have was to, too. Yeah. He was like, if I have to listen to Last Surprise one more time. And I was like, <laughs> it's a classic. Come on. Please have together, man. But you said a second ago about the art style and the art style is fantastic. All the characters look so good. It's similar to what I was saying about when I was talking about Tales, where it's it's almost like animation, but it's got those like thick lines around all the character drawings, where it looks almost like a cross between kind of anime and like drawn graphic cartoon. Yeah. It's a really interesting look, and it's it's similar to Tales, and I find it really appealing to look at. It's like a kind of modern version of a kind of anime-style RPG game. It, it looks great. Yeah, it really does. And then what do you think of the music? Oh, it's so good. I mean, <laughs> there's about four or five songs in different places that I love and I, they kind of pop into my head a lot of the time. So, uh, certain other ones, I remember thinking when I was playing it that they were good, but I wouldn't be able to like hum it or recall a lot of them. But there's no place that I remember going and thinking, God, this music's bad or this music's annoying. It always fitted in with where you were. There's a lot of background music, which like, I can I don't know how to sort of what it's called, but um you hear it all the time when you're in the streets and uh I never get bored of it. But I couldn't place this if I if I heard the song, I know immediately it was Persona 5 and it's a great song, 
but I yeah. couldn't even recollect I couldn't even bring it up now I couldn't I couldn't hum it or anything yeah no me neither but I remember at the time thinking oh this is nice this is good music but then things like the, the cafe and the battle theme and things it's it's pretty iconic at this point oh the battle theme's great yeah. one of my favorites and after you've heard that for about 80 hours it, it's said something that's still good <laughs> all right so I'm going to ask you if you play this game again, but I know you've played it 50,000 times already and it's your new Final Fantasy VIII, but uh, would I'm, you... Whoa now, Steve, it's no <laughs> Final Fantasy VIII. Would you play this game again? And what did you give this game out of 10? I would play this game again. Annoyingly, I've actually recently lent it to one of my friends because he'd never played it and he's recently moved to Wales. So I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to play it again. But <laughs> I would like to. And now that we've been talking about it, I do have a bit of an itch to play through it one more time. And I think we said before that we were, for all our games, we we're going to do like a score out of 10, but we we're going to have a different grading system for each one. Do you have one in mind? I feel like it would either need to be out of how many hearts it would be or how many cat buses. And I'm tempted to go with cat bus. Let's do cat buses. How many cat buses out of 10 would you give this? I would give this a nine and a half out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there's problematic bits to this game, but it's just overridden by how much fun I have playing it. So I'd play again. I like, I like to leave a long time for I play a game again, but I would. I do have problems with it. We didn't mention the homophobia that's in the game, which was oh. remedied somewhat in Royal, but not really completely. I mentioned the sexism earlier. Yeah, there's just little bits of it that like jab at me, and I can't quite give it a like a perfect score. But overall. Ignoring those, which is very hard to do, but ignoring those, I give this game a really solid eight and a half cat bosses out of ten, hmm, and that's fair. a really high, a really high score for me. I think um, I love this game; it's one of my favorites. But the problematic elements do somewhat bother me. Yeah, they are they are problematic. I think some of it was made a bit better by the fact that I'd never played the original Persona Five before Royal, so things like the homophobic scenes. I'd only ever seen Royals version, which aren't great, but they aren't standout, horrifyingly offensive like mm-hmm. the original one is. So it didn't it didn't click quite as much of how bad it was when I saw just the Royal versions. It's only since seeing the original scenes that now I realise quite how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel harsh giving eight and a half, but yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I do love the game, but I do have issues with it. But it is one of my top ten RPGs as we discussed last week. So yeah. All right, so that about wraps things up. So our next podcast, I believe, is Charlotte's Choice, and that's going to be, drumroll please, go on, what is it? It's going to be Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yay! Everyone's favourite RPG, and oh my god, I I was like, I was thinking earlier that we've not done a Western RPG yet, this is our first one, but it's not a Western RPG, it's a Japanese game. It's so Japanese, yeah. (laughs) Oh, but I okay. think it, well, as it's going to be quite close to Halloween, I thought that's quite a horrorish type one that we've both played. So, yes, a really good one. I really enjoyed it. Very tough, very tough kind of game. Very tough, but very satisfying. Yes. Oh my god, the feeling you get when you finally kill that boss you've been stuck on. Oh, magnifique. Yeah, when all your hands are trembling with adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and sweat and oh god. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was one time where I'd just beaten a boss on it though, and then instantly died to poison. And it, it hadn't quite clicked enough for the game to realise that I'd beaten the boss. And I'll I'll talk about the heartbreak more when we, we talk about Bloodborne, but 
I still have PTSD from that happening. I have a similar story on Dark Souls 3. I got to a boss that I was struggling on for days and days and days, and I got him down to less than 1% HP, and he killed me. I never turned the game back on again. (laughs) He just rage quit, (laughs) never went back. I literally never went back to it. I was so angry. (laughs) I'm just getting worked up thinking about it. I can hear it in your voice, yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, thank you for thank you for listening. Please consider following us on Twitter at Mirth and Magic or sending us an email at mirthandmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever app you're using that lets you leave reviews. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye guys.